This message is brought to you by the Metamorphosis Christian Center, Abuja. Ministering is the servant of God, a pastor in the house, Pastor Samuel Uluwashiun Hazan. Remain blessed as you listen. Father, we thank you. We thank you because we're winning. We are more than conquerors because you have conquered and because of your love for us. Lord, in accordance with your word, with the declarations that have gone forth, we bring every circumstance in every life, in every family, under subjection to the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. Should there be any storms raging in anybody's life right now, we command an end to it in Jesus' name. Every challenge in the lives of your people, Lord, we bring them to a stop in Jesus' name. And we proclaim the victory of the Lord. We declare we are winning. We have won in the name of Jesus. We give you praise, O God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm resisting the temptation to continue singing. Thank you, kings and priests. Let's clap for them. Let's appreciate them. Thank you very much. Let's appreciate our instrumentalists too. Thank you. Don't take us where your spirit is leading us <laughs> because I'm not sure God will want us to go that way. But thank you very much. God bless you. Let's appreciate the choir as a whole. You know, the work they put in, the time, the energy, the resources. God bless you in Jesus' name. And um, I believe they are flowing in the spirit of what God actually wants to do. You know, you remember the dream I shared. It's about two months now, and that is the dream that birthed this series that we've been talking about, talking about the two sides to faithfulness. In that dream, Pastor Fumi was telling them to roar. Amen? Amen. She was saying, choir, roar. And I think this is one of those kind of songs. As we approach the end of the year, it should be proclamations of victory. Amen? Amen. 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 So choir, more of it like this. Proclamations of victory. Songs that stir up our faith. Strong that enable us to lay hold of what God has said to us, of all that he said to do. Turn to your neighbor again. You know, some of us, as I see, we had even stepped into the next month. It was until Pastor Fumi was telling me, we are in September. My mind is thinking October, October. Maybe big miracles will happen in October. Amen. Amen. But turn to your neighbor. Say, in this September, September, you are winning. winning. Amen. Amen. What month is following? Tell somebody else. In October, October, you are winning. winning. In November, turn bless another person. In November. If you don't have a neighbor, better look for one. Bro, Jeff, yeah. <laughs> in, November, in November, you are winning. Wow. Sister Evelyn, you don't want to win. Now, turn to another person, the person you've not spoken to today. If you need to cross from one side to the other, please do it. When this year comes to an end, tell the person, when this year comes to an end, as we step into the next year, 2024, your testimony, the summary of this year for you, is that you won. Amen? Praise the Lord. We're winning. We're winning. We have won. In fact, not that we're winning. We've won. Amen. Thank you, kings and priests, but... Um, You've made it a bit challenging to now get into the flow of all that I've written. God will help me. Amen. Okay, so last week 
I gave an assignment. I hope we remembered and I hope we did the assignment. We're talking about, we'll continue with our series on the Enoch precedents. Enoch precedents or pre Enoch precedents. Um, uh, I hope the two are correct. I believe the two are correct. Enoch precedent. Let's have Genesis 5 from verse 21 to 24 on the screen. That's where we looked at last week and we said a number of things. So today we're continuing with that Enoch precedent and we'll be looking at the fear of God. Enoch precedent part two and we'll be considering the fear of God. Amen. So but let's look at our scripture. I'll just try to do a brief recap of some you know, points for meditation you know, uh, that we learned last week. I hope you are listening. We started off last week by encouraging ourselves to take time to brood upon the messages that the Lord is bringing our way. Like the chicken that lays the egg. It doesn't just abandon it to hatch. It sits on it for days. So you hear the word of the Lord. Camp on it. You know, think about it. Listen to it. Pray with it until, you know, more comes from it. Amen. So we read this last week. So all the days of Enoch were 365 years. Verse 24. And Enoch walked with God, and he was not, no, verse 21, start from verse 21. Enoch lived 65 years and begot Methuselah, verse 22. After he begot Methuselah, Enoch walked with God 300 years, and he had sons and daughters. So all the days of Enoch were 365 years. Verse 24, Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. We stated it last week, walking with God is visible. If you are walking with God, we will see it. Over time, it will show. People around you will know. So we said, walking with God will change you. You'll be transformed. I mean, Enoch walked with God until he was not. He became more and more like God until, you know, God took him. Uh, I like what our social media team wrote. They say, it walked until it walked into God. Amen. Thank you for that, uh, social media. Uh, the Instagram, that's what was posted on Instagram. So, working with God, we also said it last week, working with God brings order and organization and discipline to our lives. If you are working with God, people will know you for certain things. We looked at Daniel, that they know that he will always pray. And that's why they used it against him. We looked at the life of our Lord Jesus Christ too. Luke 4. He said, as his custom was, there is a pattern to life. So people who, have, who are working with God, their life has definite godly patterns. At some time, you will find them in certain places. Amen? At certain seasons of their life, you know what they will be doing. Because they, they, you know, they maintain, when they say do it religiously, Actually, that is what walking with God is. Amen? So, so, walking with God goes beyond the casual practice of religion and spirituality. In the days of Enoch, Genesis 4.26, we said men were already calling upon God. Some men, not all men. But it was in the midst of that that the Bible now said Enoch walked with God. So, there were people calling upon God. But in that time, in that season, only one person had that testimony. That he walked with God. So walking with God. In the time of uh, Noah as well, we saw it. Chapter 6 said Noah also walked with God. There were people around. There were people that believed in God. Or maybe they've lost that belief. But it was stated about Noah. Not of his sons. Not of his family. Not of his wife. Noah walked with God. So walking with God. You know. Is beyond the casual practice of religion and spirituality. Walking with God is personal. If your father or your mother is walking with God, you are not the one walking with God. And it's one of the reasons why, you know, the sons of Job, they could be used as pawns. Because it could come to a point in life that you must answer for yourself. <laughs> you remember the story in John chapter 9, when the blind man was healed. He said, is this your son? He said, ask him now. The parents denied him. <laughs> He said, what happened to him? He's our son. But how did his eye open? I ask him. He's not a baby. Ask him. So at the age of responsibility, at the age of spiritual maturity, 
sometimes the prayer of other people may not work for you. I said may. God is merciful. They can choose to act. But Job was the one always interceding for his children. But when God took his hands off, he could not kill Job, but his children became disposable. So working with God is personal. It is personal. I told you, my dad will always say, my salvation cannot save you. So you must choose to have a personal work with God for you to have the full benefit of it. Working with God, um, you know, our legitimate responsibilities and our duties is not a barrier to working with God. We said all this. I'm just doing a quick recap. Enoch had sons and daughters. So it is not your wife that will not make you work with God if you married a godly woman. It is not your husband that will make you not work with God if you married a godly uh, woman. It's not your children. <laughs> they didn't force themselves on you. You are the one that gave birth. Enoch had sons and daughters. We said, first, he was 65 years. He gave birth to Methuselah. And after Methuselah, he worked with God for 300 years. How many children do you think he will have in 300 years? In those days, you know, they live up to 900. So at this 300, it was like, let's say, compared to people like Adam that lived 900 plus Methuselah, it was like a man of 30 years. It was at the peak of childbearing. So between that, you know, from 65 to 30, 300, how many children do you think he would have had? Even he was saying one in every five years. Five divided by 300 is what? 60 <laughs> minimum. <laughs> but five years is too much. They don't do child spacing in those days. Amen? But family responsibilities was not a barrier. That's what I'm saying. Your job if it is the job that God has given you, if it is not something that you have put on yourself, that's why you need to let God lead you. Amen? So our responsibilities should not be a barrier to working with God. There was one thing um, I didn't say last week, and I want to start from there. Now, working with God is a lifetime project. We didn't say that last week. Working with God is a lifetime project. It is a lifetime commitment. Working with God is not an event. It's not just attending programs. Even though that should be part of it. Working with God is not just going for retreats. It is a lifestyle. Working with God is not when things are good. You work with God. When things are bad, you don't remember. Or for some other people, when things are challenging, that's when they remember God. That's when they pray. When things are good, they go. All the people we looked at last week, we looked at Enoch, we looked at the life of our Lord Jesus Christ, we looked at who again? Job, we looked at Daniel. Before God will say, in fact, the person that lived shortest among all of them is our Lord Jesus Christ. At what age did God say, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased? 30 years. From that alone, we can safely infer that before God will say, ah, this guy is working with me. You must have done it for how many years? 30 years, minimum. For that testimony of working with God to be truly consolidated and established, you will have done it for a long time. So for us here, probably we are just starting. Amen? For 30 years, the Lord Jesus... He had a custom, everything he was doing, and God said, this is my beloved son in whom I've been, I'm well pleased. He's been going to the temple, he's been studying the Bible. His prayer life, it's not after baptism that he just started praying. You know, something that you've not been doing, it's difficult for you to now say you're going to do it for 40 days, just like that. If he had not been praying, it would be difficult for him to wake up early in the morning to say, you know, you'll see it in Mark, he rose up a great while before day, he went to a solitary place and prayed. He had developed many of these things before that time. So when the baptism came, it was easy for it to, you know, for him to continue with it and then fulfill his ministry. Daniel, morning, night, uh, afternoon, and evening, he will always come out. In, and Daniel, if you are somebody like Daniel today, will be like, but a minister is not, because the responsibilities Daniel had is bigger than what a minister had. He was overseeing countries. Because was working for an empire that was over many countries. So imagine somebody as busy as the president of Nigeria. 
still having time three times a day to call upon God. Not just, Lord, thank you. We bless you in Jesus' name. And it's going. Quality prayer. And he did it for how many years? Daniel died as an old man. By the time they plotted that conspiracy against him, he was quite old. And he went to Babylon from his youth. If you are to estimate that time, because when he was saying, you know, praying for uh, the redemption based on Jeremiah's prophecy, 70 years, he was a young man. So he must have been in Babylon not less than 50 years. So just, I'm saying all that to just let us know. How old was Noah when he started building the ark? About 500. And that's when the Bible said Noah walked with God. Genesis 6. I think verse 5, if you can put it there. So you can see that there is an element of longevity in all of this. So if you are going to say you want to be a Christian, you want to follow God, just put it at the back of your mind that, hey, I'll be counting, Lord, in fact, maybe you should be celebrating it. Thank you, Jesus, one full year of working with you. Thank you, Jesus, second year. Thank you, Jesus, third year. And Lord, you'll be telling yourself, God, I'm going to... You know, God keeping us, give yourself a target, 80 years or 100 years. So you must have a vision of long-term interaction and commitment to God. If you don't decide it, when challenges and situations come, you will pull back. So decide, I'm going to work with God for how many years? How long do you want to live? Let me see people today. How many years do you want to work with God? <laughs> Everybody wants long life, right? I'm going to work with God for 90 years. Do I have people that want to work with God for 90 years here? Yeah? As long as we live. But determine in your heart that this is a long-term project. It's not a short-term thing. Amen? Let's go back. Genesis 5 from verse 21. Now, I gave an assignment. I said, how many people did it? What was the assignment to start with? How many? Who remembers? You've listened to the message. You were here last Sunday. What was the assignment we gave? Anybody wants to help me out? The teacher that is smiling. Is he in the ceiling? <laughs> we said, check out these scriptures in different translations. That was the assignment, isn't it? Check it out in different translations so that you begin to understand what working with God actually is. We didn't get into the depths of it last week. We tried to establish and introduce and see the lives of men who walked with God so that that can inspire us. But today we want to go a bit deeper. Like I said, we'll be looking at the fear of God. And it is in looking at these scriptures that we'll see the role that the fear of God plays in working with God. Amen? Genesis 5, so we've read it in the New King James Version. Now, let's read it in the message. Genesis 5 from verse 21 to 24. We'll be, I will call different translations. Now, you need to look at some words that start that they will use. Because, you know, the Bible was written not in English. It was written in, uh, the Old Testament was written in Aramaic, some parts, some parts Hebrew. So, and like in the Yoruba, if you say, oh, yigi, yigi, how do you want to translate that to English? Oh, ye is if you are is turning, is turning. Is that what you call God? Huh? So, English sometimes is limited. So, those who know the language and the different shades of meaning have tried to express it in different ways. That's why you have these different translations. So, in the message, when Enoch was 65 years old, he had Methuselah. Verse 22 Enoch walked how? What can we see? Can we see what is there? So I want us to read it together. Enoch walked steadily with God. After he had Methuselah, and he lived under 300 years, having more sons and daughters. The next verse, Enoch lived a total of 365 years. Verse 24. Enoch walked steadily with God, and then one day, he was simply gone. God took him. So what do you see there? Steadiness, consistency. Today, you are with God. Tomorrow, you are not. That's not going to be our stories in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The next one is the good news. Let's see the good news translation. There is a slight feedback on this mic. I hope you can just attend to that. Let's see the good news translation from verse 21 again. 
Take note of those words. Steady. We've seen one. Now, verse 21. From verse 21. When Enoch was 65, he had a son, Methuselah. Yeah. Verse 32. After that, Enoch lived in... What word do we see there? Fellowship with God. What is fellowship? You know, John, 1 John chapter 1, you, you will see the Apostle John writing there. What we have had, what we have seen, what we have that, what we have handled, that we declare unto you. So that our fellowship is with what? One another. Communion, our exchange, our interaction is with one another and with the Father and with the Son. So, Enoch was doing that. Lord, you know, another day we'll look at it. So, but take note, fellowship. That's essentially what fellowship is. Talking, not one-way dialogue. It's two ways. You tell me I receive. I share with you, you receive. Oh, we discuss what you've said. We discuss what I've said. Okay, and we learn. We encourage each other. Was Enoch encouraging God? Does God need encouragement? <laughs> But he was hearing things from God. There are things on God's heart. We've looked at God's burdens in the past. So that was fellowship. So Enoch lived in fellowship. So another word you should write down there is what? Fellowship. Verse 23. He lived to be 365 years, verse 24. So our focus will be more on that 22 and 24. Verse 24. He spent his life in fellowship with God. And then he disappeared because God took him away. So, fellowship. Now, let's see the Amplified Classic. Amplified Classic. Take note of these things. We'll see how they fit in into walking with God. Now, Enoch walked in, verse 22. In what? How did this one put it? He walked in habitual fellowship. So, it was a habit for him. That's why you said walking with God is a lifestyle. It is not just going for events. It is not, oh, I'm going for three days fasting in some way. No. Habitual fellowship. So everywhere he was going, he was in communication with God. Amen? So fellowship must become your habit. You know, for most people, you pray morning devotion. Good morning, G. Is that not a song some people still sing? In the morning, Sister Juliet, early in the morning. Is that not? But it's not a bad song. It's good to say good morning, Jesus. I know, yes. But they do that. You read small Bible portion, prayer points. Lord, bless me today. Bless my mommy. Bless my daddy. Bless my wife. Bless my children. Bless everybody. Bless us in Jesus' name. And then you have gone. Some people that are just finished praying. Somebody, you know they say, are you blind? Are you? Because the person was, you want to my car? What's wrong? You know, noise, fight. person that just came out of prayer. Why does that happen? Because the sense of fellowship and communion is actually lost. If you are very conscious of God's presence, it's going to be hard for somebody to just, offer, even when the person does something very bad. Because you are just, you know, you will have a measure of, greater measure of self-control. And then you'll be careful with what you do. So, habitual fellowship with God. After the birth of Methuselah, verse 24. And Enoch walked in what? Habitual fellowship. So, we are seeing that today we won't talk so much about fellowship. And on that day, God helping us to come back to talk to it. Uh, talk about that. Let's go to the contemporary English version, CEV. Now, I'm saying, reading all this so that we see what it means when you say walked with God. Walked with God. Amen? And when we did our series on how to study the Bible at the PCG on Thursdays, those that attended, you know that we went through translations, right? How to use them, the literal, the paraphrased, and all how to use concordance. That's how you can get into, you know, the depth of meanings. So some of us right now are supposed to be the ones actually teaching this message. We are supposed to give you the topic. And based on what you've been taught, we say, come and preach it to us. But so far it will be so for now that I'm the one teaching. Next time it will be you. Amen? Some people are afraid. 
So, um, what translation did I call contemporary English version, CEV? I've gone through some of them, but these are the ones that have some unique words. Some others aligned, those that are more literal, they aligned with the King James. You know, God's word translation, Enoch walked with God, walked with God, walked with God. In some, you see the same word fellowship used, so, but picking the ones that we can really relate to. Do we have the CEV there? We don't. Let me see if I can get it from here. CEV. Uh, the CEV used the word Enoch, aha, uh-huh, verse 22. Verse 22. What does it say there? Enoch did what? Truly. Are we reading together? What does it say? Enoch truly loved God. He loved God. So you see what it means to walk with God, loving God. Now, you need to know that loving God is not the same when they say a man loves a woman and they want to marry. Later on, when we come into this and when we share it, Jesus said it in John 15. If you love me, you will do what? Obey my commandments. So your love for God is not emotional. Oh, I love you, Lord. Ah, I love you, Jesus. It's not by that. Is by obeying God. We'll get into it. God helping us another day. So he loved God. So what do we see there? Walking with God means what? Loving God. Truly loved God. Verse 24. Verse 24. Verse 24. Oh, they jammed, they compressed it. Okay, thank you. Then... Uh, now, let's see the Amplified. You know, the first one we looked at was Amplified Classic. But this one is just plain old, well, the new Amplified. New Amplified. So, verse 22. Enoch walked in what? Habitual fellowship, as used in the previous Amplified. Now, let's go to verse 24. We'll see another addition here. Verse 24. And in what? Reverent fear. You see where the fear of the Lord begins to come in? In reverent fear and obedience. Loving God. Enoch walked with God and it was not found a moment because God took him away. So we now see now them introducing reverent fear and obedience. Now, in interpreting the scriptures, you need to also compare certain similar scriptures together. Let's look at Genesis 6, 8, and 9. When he was talking about Noah, you know, God was, himself was the one that mentioned three names in Ezekiel. Say, if Noah was there, if Job was there, if Daniel was there, if these three men are there, and I'm bringing judgment upon a land, these three men will only save themselves, not even their wife, not their children. Because those men have a testimony from God himself that they walked with him. Now, these are the records. This is the Amplified. Noah was a righteous man who was just and right standing with God. Blameless in his evil generation. Noah walked. They say lived in what? Habitual fellowship. Verse 8. Let's see verse 8. Um, verse 8. Noah found grace and favor in the eyes of God. This too is important if you are going to walk with God. It can only be done by the grace of God. Go to verse 9 again. Noah was righteous. He was just. Pay attention. When we come to the practice, God will help us. We'll preach another message titled, The Practice of Walking with God. Today, when we get into the fear of God, we'll be looking at the foundations or the pillars of walking with God. There are two different things. Some are the principles that must be established in your life for you to be able to walk with God. Those practices, fellowship, is actually a practice. Is what you do. What you need to do and how you do them. Prayer, study of the word, meditation, waiting upon God. Those are the elements of our fellowship. We will not touch today, even though at another PCG, I think, we've also done it. Uh, when Pastor Debo was around last year, there was a session on meditation. It's part of fellowshipping with God. Worship is part of fellowship. So Noah did that. 
But then his character, blameless. He walked and lived in fellowship with God. Let's go to Job. Job 1. Job chapter 1. I hope you are paying attention to all these words. Because sometimes we say so much. But I want the scriptures, you know, to talk to us. We should open our hearts. Let the Bible speak to us. Let God speak directly from the scriptures. We are all children of God. Amen. And we can learn to see these things. Job chapter 1. Here, verse 1. There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job. And that man was what? Blameless. You see the same thing they wrote about Noah. Blameless and upright. What does it mean? Like Daniel. They look, look, look. They can't find any fault. He doesn't go late to work. When he's at work, he's doing his work well. He doesn't fight with neighbors. He's not the one that throws dirty everywhere in their company. As in, there was just nothing. He's not in anybody money. He's not cheating anybody from any business. He doesn't even price things too much. You know, it can be a fault for some women. They price things. And, you know, in my office, there's a guy that carries meat coming around the office. Sometimes they will price meat with this guy. You will see that the guy wants to cry. I will tell this woman, have mercy on this guy. And I say, no, that's how they be cheating. I say, no, you people should have mercy on him. He has a family that he's trying to feed too. The guy will just say, thank you. Sometimes he will breathe deeply and say, thank you. And just walk, because he cannot insult them. Because if he insults them, you know, market has finished. Those in the market, that is open market, the whole world is coming to market. They can choose to insult customer. If you don't buy, another person will come. No be so. But this one is the one coming to office. You just say, Madam, I will come back later. <laughs> you know, it can be a fault. Daniel had no fault. And the same thing is said about Noah. The same thing is said about um, Job here. In our business dealings, how do we relate with people? Can people point to something bad about you? It's important in our work with God. So, Job was a man, blameless and upright. One who did what? feared God. Now you see where the fear of God is coming in again? Job feared God with reverence and he abstained and turned away from evil because he honored God. In the King James, he said he eschewed evil. Like I said, uh, Bishop Abiyo, he said evil came into his mouth by mistake. Ah, he chewed it and threw it out. <laughs> he must not stay. Yes, feared God and eschewed evil. That's the <laughs> old King James. Verse 8 of this same Job. You see the devil himself. You know, when people walk with God, it is recognized in heaven. That is one of the things that gives us authority. Command. It's one of the keys to answered prayers also. As we grow in our walk with God, God can, you know, entrust us with his authority. You are recognized in heaven. Angels know you. The sons of Sceva, they say, in the name of Jesus, whom Paul is preaching. And the devil told them, say, hey, I know Jesus. I know Paul. Say you. Now who you be? Walking with God. So the Lord himself said, have you considered my servant Job, that there is none like him in the earth? Can God exaggerate? When he says there's nobody like him, that means there truly was nobody. Job lived after Noah. All these men lived at different times. And in their generation, they were unique. Job lived before Abraham. There is not like him in the earth. A what? Perfect. See, you must pay attention to your character. We'll come there another day. Let me get to the fear of the Lord. A perfect and an upright man. One that did what? Fears God and eschewed evil. This is God himself speaking. So we've looked at different things. Hebrews 11, 5 and 6, we all know it. You can put it on the screen. He said, Enoch walked with God and it was not for God took him. But before he was taken, he had this testimony that he did what? Pleased God. Hebrews 11, 5, 6. He had this testimony that he pleased God. Then verse 6 now tells us that without faith, it is what? In, uh, impossible to please him. He that, believe, uh, that comes to him must believe that he is, and he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Faith. 
pleasing God. Uh, last week, I told us of the message that was preached last year. I think it was in July. Gleanings from Hebrews 11. Please make sure you are listening. All the messages that have been preached is for us to listen over and over. Not that we preach this one now. You listen to this one. You leave. Go back to last year's message. Put them on autoplay. Faith. As for me, dealt with these two Sundays. Faith of Enoch. Amen. So here we see faith that enables one to praise God. So all those words that we've um, seen there, we can call them the pillars and the practices of working with God. So, but we separate them into to some, like I said, are foundational. So if you are writing, you said the foundations for working with God or the pillars for working with God. Number one, you will have is faith. If you are listing them, you have faith. Number two there, very, very key, is the fear of God. Number three, you have the knowledge of God. Then, also number four, you must have hunger and desire. Hunger and desire. Then number five, there must be a vision for working. As you must have a long-term vision for working with God. Those are the foundations. If you have that, what do I call number one? Faith. Number two is what? The fear of God. Number three is what? Hunger and desire, right? And knowledge of God. Number three is the knowledge of God, revelation of God. Number four is what? Hunger and desire. What you are not hungry for, you won't pursue. Then number five, there will be vision. Now, on the things that constitute the practices of working with God, practice of working with God, number one there also is faith. Because to work with God, <clears throat> you must have faith. God will give you instruction that if you don't have faith, you will disobey. Amen? So you must have faith. Number two, under those expressions or the practices, you must have love for God. The fear of God will bat love for God. And we know that love for God, we said it's not emotional. It is simply what? Obedience. So number two, under the practice of working with God is love. Then number three, we have fellowship. Like we talked about it briefly, fellowship number four is character. All these men that we saw, they said they were what? Upright, just, blameless, faultless. That's why Paul will be telling them, walk circumspectly. See, anything you are doing, you better look at yourself well and be sure that you are representing God. Amen? Let's get into the fear of God. Because this is, faith has been dealt with last year. Go back to that message. The fear of God. Most people talk about the fear of God. Oh, especially singles. I want a man that is what? God-fearing. But <laughs> it's interesting to know that not many people can actually define what the fear of God is. Many people fear God. But not many people are able to articulate that this is what it means when we say somebody fear God. So that's why it's foundational to our Christian life. But we need to be able to teach people. We need to be able to communicate it. Amen? Genesis 20, verse 11. Let's start from there. And for me, many years ago, reading this particular verse was what triggered the study. In fact, this is like a dream come true because I'm like, one of these days, I will preach about the fear of God. This verse from many years ago. God is fulfilling that desire today. Amen? Genesis 20. Abraham said, you know, he left where he was because of famine. He went down to Egypt. And he, tell, he told them that what? Sarah was his sister. When they asked him why, after God troubled them, and they some uh, to Abimelech, God appeared. But to Pharaoh... There was no record that God appeared. So they must have done some consultation with their own gods and say, ah, this is the man, is the cause of your problem. But they asked him, why did you do this? Abraham said, because I thought, surely the fear of God is not in this place. <laughs> and they will slay me, they will kill me for my wife's sake. The fear of God is not in that place. What does that tell us? We said it last week that walking with God is visible. In like manner, using biblical language now, in the same way, when people 
an when an individual fears God, it is visible. When a community of people fear God, it is visible. But it takes only a person that fears God to accurately discern the fear of God. Because somebody that doesn't fear God, ah, is a Roman, is a Babylonian like them, he just sees what they are doing as normal. Somebody that steals, that is stealing, when he comes among thieves, will he see it as bad? No, he will say, ah, sharp guys like me, they here. He now becomes the sharpest of the sharpest, have But for somebody that is God-fearing, you already know that, ah, no, 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 this is not right. So, the fear of God is visible amongst, in the life of an individual or in a community of people. So, what is it that Abraham was looking for? Or that he did not see? The fear of God is visible. Now, it's important also for us to know that the fear of God is absolute. You either have it or you don't. You can't fear him partially. You either have it. It may be weak. It may be strong. But if you don't have it, you don't have it. And it's one of the things that make people wonder, say, ah, and he calls himself a Christian. Because some people do some things they don't even, you know, some, their, their conscience, the fear of God resides in the heart. It works with our conscience. Some might be, ah, God, you know, dilly dallying about some things. In those people, it may be weak. But some, they will just do, ah, don't worry. God, help, help those who help themselves, you know. Uh, you know <laughs> that's what some Christians will tell you. The fear of God is not there. Amen? Let's see Proverbs 31.30 as well. As we begin to define what the fear of God is. This one, this is like introducing what it is. First, we've seen it. It can be in a people. It can be in an individual. Proverbs 31.30, we've been quoting it. And I've encouraged our singles. Meditate on this verse. It says, favor is deceitful. Beauty is vain. Favor is not physical. The things that makes you like somebody that are not physical. That's what favor is. In some translations, say charm. It can be yeah, the way he walks, the way he talks, the way he behaves, uh, you know, personality even. Anything, skill, uh, abilities, whatever. But beauty is vain. Beauty is what you actually see, the physical. So favor is deceitful. Beauty is vain, but a woman, and please, you can put man there, that fears the Lord shall be praised. The fear of the Lord is the only guarantee of good character. The fear of the Lord is the only guarantee of good character. Because later we'll see in Psalm 19, it says the fear of the Lord endures forever. Where there is no fear of the Lord, the person that is nice today, when things become challenging, <laughs> you will hear the kind of things he or she will say. But it's the fear of the Lord that preserves. Amen? Let's read. We'll read the number of scriptures. Write them down. Read them. Go and meditate on it. This kind of message, you need to actually dwell on it. So that it becomes a part of you. Genesis 42, 18. This was Joseph talking to his brothers. After he has revealed himself to them. Genesis 42 verse 18. He said something there. He said, do this, do this. No, he, he, he tested them in several ways. Keep your brother. Go and bring this one. When they were going, they saw their gold in their sack. Say, hey, who we are? this man will say we are stolen. He said, we are. he did all sorts. Then in one of his conversations with them, he was now saying, do this. And live. Say, do what I'm telling you. You won't be in problem. Because I fear God. Remember that he's been separate from his family for how many years now? Many years. 17 years. or Anywhere between 13, 17. Or 20 years even. And they don't know whether, in quotes, you know, the brothers that were afraid. Now, maybe the brothers had repented anyway. They had... Let's not get into that story. But he said, do this and live for I fear God. In other words, what he's saying is, because I fear God, trust my word. The point you should know there is the fear of God that will make people committed to whatever 
they say. The fear of God is the basis for commitment. When he said, Jesus said, let your yes be yes and let your no be no. It is only people that fear God that can do that. It is only people. So for businessmen, you better be able to discern the fear of God in your business partners. Because they will make commitments that they will not keep. So it is the fear of God that makes people keep their word. It is the fear of God that makes anybody say, my word is my bond, and they will stand by it. This one, Exodus 18.21, very interesting, you know. And it should be a basis of prayer for our nation, that God should give us God-fearing leaders. We all know it. But no matter how we talk, if this is not there, that's why people that have been good, you know, I say you either have it or you don't. People that have been good, they get into certain positions and ah, they changed him, they corrupted him. Something it, it was not well laid, not strong inside. This is Moses, you know, when they were organizing themselves for movements, you know, after they've moved, nationhood was just beginning. He said, Moreover, you shall provide, you know, select instructions, you know, out of the people, able men such as fear God. They are all Israelites. But it's now saying, out of you, look for people who fear God. Meaning not all that call upon the name of the Lord actually fear Him. How many of our leaders go to church? Or any other religious house? But not many fear God. Say, men of truth, hating covetousness, place them such over to be rulers of thousands, rulers of hundreds. You know, this is very similar to what you see in Acts chapter 6. When they said, look for men of honest reports. I mean, it was a church. Huh? Shouldn't there be honest people in church ordinarily? But the apostles now said, no, look for men of honest reports. Full of the Holy Spirit. Haba. Because not everybody has it. There's other things you can say. But let's just go on to define exactly what it is. You've seen it in some of the verses we've seen. Now, we read Job earlier on. He said, a man that fears God and does what? Hates evil. He has chews evil. That essentially is what the fear of God is. The fear of God is simply the desire not to offend God, but to please Him by walking away from sin or anything that God does not want, even if it is not outright sin. But that God said, don't do it, you don't do it. Or God said, do it, that is what you strive to do. You can go back to Job 1.8, you'll see it defined there. But let's read Job 28.28. 28. Job 28.28. 28. Job 28.28. 28. And unto man he said, Behold, the fear of the Lord is what? Wisdom. And to depart from evil is understanding. To depart. This is what God doesn't want. This is what the word of God says. Agree, no controversy. Proverbs uh, 8.13. Proverbs 8.13. To hate evil. You see there stated again, Proverbs 8.13. The fear of the Lord is to do what? Hate evil. He didn't just say accommodate. He didn't say tolerate. Your heart is, that's why we said it's all unknown. That this is the will of God in this matter. That's what I'm accepting. This is not the will of God. Kai, I don't want to go near it. Whether he, and you see, this touches your character. That's why we said the practice of working with God, there's that element of character. You see Job, just man, perfect man, blameless man. You see Noah, just man, perfect man, blameless man. In relating with people around you, what is the state of your heart towards people?
in your work, in your business, in your anywhere, are you forgiven? You know, there are some things you don't see. The fear of the Lord is to do what? Hate evil. That's one. Pride. Arrogancy. The evil way, the forward mouth. Do I eat? That is what the fear of God is. What is the state of your heart? Now, you need to know that the fear of God is not easily lost. Psalm 19 verse 9. Psalm 19 from verse 8 was talking about the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the heart. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. You know, enlisting several things. Psalm 19 verse 9. And I said, the fear of the Lord is clean. Endure. The fear of the Lord is what? Clean. Or some would say pure. It endures forever. When you have the fear of the Lord and you are walking with God, it's hard to lose it. It's hard to lose it. And that's why we must put it. There's a scripture, maybe you, Deuteronomy 6, verse 1 to 3, 1 to 13. It's a long read. If I can see it here, I'll read it out quickly. Or if you can put it on screen. you see the Lord there. It's easier to learn the fear of the Lord. In fact, we'll get into cultivating the fear of the Lord as we wind down. It's easiest, it's best when you learn it from childhood. That's why we must be deliberate in teaching children. For adults who were not brought up in godly homes, you can still cultivate the fear of the Lord. Deuteronomy 1.13, please, that's another assignment. Please make sure you read it. You see the Lord telling them, teach your children diligently. Pay attention to the word of the Lord. You list several principles there. We'll just list them out. Cultivating the fear of the Lord. If you, you know, as a Christian, you're supposed to have the fear of the Lord. If you have truly repented, that's when, when we dealt with the series of repentance, you come to a point of conviction. This is the things that create that fear in us. But over time, some people might have, you know, been weakened by association, by compromise. You know, when you disobey once, it becomes easier to disobey the next time. That's the truth. If you steal once, it becomes easier to steal again. It's harder not to steal. It's possible not to steal, but it takes greater effort and the grace of God not to repeat a wrongdoing. But with the fear of the Lord, see, you won't even want to think about it. There are some things that are just part of me today. Imagine now, uh, Broenus hairstyle, and he's done some very interesting hairstyle in the past too. Some of you are looking at him. Yes, or let me use Bro Jude. His own is fresh and sizzling, right? I'm not saying he's bad. But the kind of person he is, a creative person, that is normal. But can you imagine me in that kind of hairstyle? Just imagine. Huh? Can you? <laughs> is it possible? <laughs> I know those of you that don't like me. <laughs> I don't have this kind of head. <laughs> my head is round. So that thing won't even sit on my head very well, right? When we were young, you know, Mike Tyson then was the world heavyweight champion. How many of you remember Tyson haircuts? Just with small in the head like this. And everybody, ah, Tyson, Tyson, Tyson. One of those days I just went to Baba. And say, ah, how do you want your hair? Tyson. Great. <laughs> and I entered the house. What is this? <laughs> the discipline I, re I received that day, eh? it has become permanently settled in my heart. That when I go to Baba, I just tell her, see, just cut it low. As in, I don't think twice about it. From that day. And growing up now, I'm, I'm, I mean, I appreciate that. I'm not saying that is bad. But for different folks. But that's what I'm saying. Some things, teaching children the fear of God. It becomes settled in their heart. And as they grow, it becomes easy for them to walk with God. And certain destinies... You know, some people can't step into certain destinies if the foundation of that godly fear was not established from childhood. Deuteronomy 1, 1 to 13, that I said we should read. You see God, that's where he was telling them, you shall write it 
Or these words that I'm giving you, write it on the Lord. Maybe we should read it. Let's just read it. From verse 1. These be the words, please, New King James, NKJV. In the NKJV. These are the words which Moses spoke to all Israel on this side of the Jordan in the wilderness, in the plain opposite, so between Peran. Verse 2. We don't know all those places, Abby. <laughs> it is Deuteronomy 6, sorry, not 1. Deuteronomy 6 is where I'm not. Deuteronomy 6 from 1 to 13. Now, this is the commandment, and these are the statutes and the judgments which the Lord your God has commanded to teach you. That's the place of the word of God. That you may observe them in the land which you are crossing over to possess. Verse 2. That you may do what? Fear the Lord your God. So one of the ways we cultivate the fear of the Lord is by giving ourselves to the word of God. Read the Bible. Read the Bible. That's one level. Study the Bible. Listen to messages. Discuss with people. It's not football, it's not politics, it's not business all the time. Discuss the Bible with people. That you may fear the Lord because it will start strength. If you have the fear of the Lord, doing that will strengthen you. That you may fear the Lord your God to keep all his statutes. You see the place of obedience again and his commandments which I command you and your son, your daughter, your grandson all the days of your life and that your days may be prolonged. Hear, O Israel, and be careful to observe it, that it may be well with you, and that you may multiply greatly in the Lord your God. You know, the Lord is giving you land flowing with milk and honey. Verse 4. And you will see him later telling them, okay, hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. That is, 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 is God. Verse 5, you shall love the Lord. See, without the fear of God, you can't love God. That is the honest truth. Let's just leave that verse. Please read it. Cultivating the fear of the Lord. Maybe you are not born into a Christian home. Even if you are born into a Christian home, you still need to make this decision yourself. To strengthen yourself in choosing to obey God regardless of the compromise around. One day we were talking in the office, you know, and I mean, we are all Christians. Somebody was talking, eh, 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 if there's anybody that does not sleep with his uh, husband or wife before they got married, he should raise their hand. He said, there's nobody that didn't do that. I say, ah. I raised my two hands. I say, eh, it's a lie. I say, it's not a lie. I can't say <laughs> eh, you know, you know, you know, you know, you know. Because Christians are breaking standards. And many people think everybody is doing it. It's not true. God rewards us when we uphold godly standards. Amen? So you must strengthen yourself in the fear of the Lord. How do we cultivate the fear of the Lord? Cultivating the fear of the Lord. Number one, from our salvation experience, are you truly saved? You know, you must encounter God. Let God, you know, God encounter is actually what I wrote. God encounter. Real God encounters. First John 3, 7 and 9 says, He who is born of God cannot sin. The seed of God is in him. First John 3, 7 to 9. He who is born of God does not sin. First John, you know, the seed of God is in him. God himself is the one that plants the fear of God. That's why you can't imitate it. You may be joining people, brethren, 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 but if you don't have the fear of God, with time it will show. Ask Ananias and Sapphira, and it can be dangerous in some times. Little children, let no one deceive you. He who practices righteousness. You see why I said the practice of working with God is righteous. Just as he is righteous. Verse 8. So a child of God cannot be practicing as in some things are reoccurring in your life. You have to be delivered. Now this is the deliverance. It said he who sins is of the devil. Meaning that if you see that you have a weakness or you are succumbing to certain things. It's as if you've given the devil a foothold. You, you, true, you might have given your life to Christ, but you have given the devil a foothold. He said, the devil is the one who does what? Sins from the beginning. And for this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might do what? Destroy the works of the devil. We use this thing for deliverance, for healing, for this. But it related primarily to sin. 
an ability to come into righteousness. So whoever has been born of God does not sin because something that the devil planted has been uprooted. The weakness has been removed. Righteousness has come. Said he cannot sin because he has been what? Born of God. So you must pray, Lord, your seed is in me. This is who I am. Come into a full understanding of who you are. So salvation, genuine salvation experience is one. Number two, the word of God. The word of God. We, we saw in that Deuteronomy 6, 1 to, we read up to verse 4. But Psalm 119, Psalm 119, verse 9, verse 10, you say, how can a young man keep his way pure? It is by what? Living according to your word. Psalm 119, verse 9 and 10. How can a young man live his way, uh, live, keep his way? It is by living according. Yeah, how can a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to your word. Verse 10. Your word I have hid in my heart. Verse 10. With my whole heart I have sought you. Oh, let me not wander from your commandment. Verse 11. Verse 11 now says, Your word I have done what? Hidden in my heart. That I may not sin against you. What are you thinking about? Movies or reality shows or football or what? Or money. What is uppermost in your heart? Thy word I have hid in my heart. What is God's will concerning any matter? What does God want you to do? That is what will keep us. Number three. I'll just list this. Ephesians 1.17. You know those Pauline prayers? Ephesians 1.17. And then, please write it if you are. Then Colossians 1.9 and 10. It will keep telling them that the eyes of their understanding be opened so that they will know God. In verse 17, in, in, in Colossians, it now said, that is what will help them to know what is God's will and be pleasing to Him. So, a revelation of God. God must reveal His holiness to you. He must reveal himself to you. So the revelation of God is another thing that will help you grow in the fear of God. Number four, prayers. See, pray, Lord, help me to fear you. There are some things you don't pray for usually, but it is important that you do. Lord, help me to be obedient because that's how grace can come. Help me to love you with my whole heart. Help me to yield to you. Because you can't do it by yourself. He said, Noah found what? Favor and grace. Ephesians 2, 8 will tell you, it is by grace that you are saved. It is not of works. It is through faith so that nobody can boast. So you must pray. Psalm 119, verse 17. Let's read those words. Okay, let's just read Psalm, 8, Psalm 86, verse 11. Psalm 86, verse 11. You see David. You know, he say he's a man after God's heart. You see him there praying, Psalm 86. Teach me your way, I will walk in your truth. It says, unite my heart. In the old King James, it says, incline my heart to fear your name. God must do it in us. So you must pray that prayer. Another way is through teaching and discipleship. Teaching and discipleship. If you read the first... Um, Proverbs 3, 4, 5, Solomon will be saying, My son, listen to the instruction of your father. Because his own father tried to teach him, actually. Psalm 34, verse 11. Psalm 34, verse 11. Come... You children, listen to me, and I will do what? Teach you the fear of God. You can learn it from people. If you will be open and submissive. That is the essence of discipleship. That is the essence of coming to church. And not just coming for attendance. That is the essence of also allowing leaders speak into your life. They will help you with certain things. I shared an experience. Let me share this. Um, okay, let me just keep it aside. <laughs> I shared it with uh, Kutunde. 
how I came to Pastor Richard and said something. He said, what is that? You know, and that thought just disappeared like that. As in, he didn't need to sit me down for counseling. Hey, sir, this is, say, what do you mean by that? As in, just looking at me and say, what is wrong with you? As in, that idea just vivamos. Simply, <laughs> he didn't need to preach any message. Sometimes leaders have that authority. And it will help certain things just live your life. Amen? But you must be open. You must be submissive. You must be willing. Then there is personal correction, uh, personal commitment. You choose. You must make a choice. Lord, I want to work with you. I want to follow you. There are several benefits that we can list, but we won't list them. But let's just have Proverbs 19.23. Of course, growing up, the fear of the Lord is beginning of wisdom. Psalm 119, uh, 1.1, verse 10. And I used to read for exams, say, Lord, I fear you. Help me to pass. As a child, that's what I used to say when I have exams. Say, Lord, you know that I fear you. You know that I fear you. <laughs> but I know better now. But it's good that I was doing it at that level. There are several benefits, but this summarizes it. This summarizes all the benefits. The fear of the Lord leads to what? Are we together? The fear of the Lord leads to life. And he who has it will abide in. Are we reading together? The fear of the Lord leads to life. He who has it will abide in satisfaction. It will not be visited with evil. Does this agree with what the Lord Jesus said in John 10, 10, that I have come that they might have life and have it what in abundance? There are several benefits. Another day we'll talk about it. But if you have the law, the fear of God, see, it is an, it's an entrance into a rich and fulfilling life. If you allow him to guide you, if you will do things based on the fact that, is this pleasing to God or is this not? That's simple, that Lord, is this your will? And you are earnestly praying. Not that you have decided, Lord, is this your will? But please, let it be your will. Oh, you know, I like this. I like this thing. Let it, that's how many of us pray. Ah, uh, Lord, I want, in your mind, you want to jackpot, but Lord, is it your will that I should jackpot? Kai, it better be the will of God. Everybody's going. Everybody's going. I must go. Another day we'll talk about such kind of prayers. But the fear of the Lord leads to what? Life. And he who has it will abide in satisfaction. And he will not be visited with evil. This is our portion in Jesus' name. Amen. Father, we just ask you for help. Incline our heart to fear your name. Teach us the fear of God. Put it in us, Lord. Concerning the Lord Jesus' prophecy about him, one of the baptisms that he was to receive is the spirit of the fear of the Lord. Let it be in us. That all our days we seek to please you and do that which is your perfect will. We receive help, we receive grace to walk with you, Heavenly Father. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. This message is brought to you by the Metamorphosis Christian Center, Abuja. We believe you were blessed as you listened. Join us for a Sunday service at Metamorphosis Christian Center, Stanford Dialysis Building, beside Africa International College, opposite Sun City, Kaura District, Abuja. You can link with us on Facebook and YouTube at Metamorphosis NG. Metamorphosis Christian Center, reaching, raising, releasing.